Good song, eh? Uh, be a good, good one to get hopefully stuck in our heads uh, so that, that it's not just something that we sing over and over, but we hear over and over that call uh, and the hope that, that not only we have, but a hope that is the hope of the world that we uh, want to spread to all the world. And so looking forward to singing that uh, together next week and maybe more times in the future as well. Uh, a, a number of you know um, that before I was the pastor here in Iowa Falls at this church, I got to be a youth pastor for seven and a half years out in South Dakota. So we were in the eastern, southeastern corner of South Dakota, so not very far from Iowa at all, where everything looks pretty plain. But most of you would know that if you travel further west in Iowa, things get a little more exciting. Uh, well, not, not most of it in between. Um, but once you get out west uh, in, in the state of South Dakota, um, really pretty, pretty beautiful piece of God's creation. And so uh, I had the privilege as a youth pastor, I would go a couple of weeks every year uh, uh, to camp with our students. So I would go to one of a, like a little cornfield camp uh, with our middle school students. But with the high school students, we would go to camp out near Keystone, South Dakota, which is the little town nearest Mount Rushmore. And so we would go to this camp out uh, near Keystone, South Dakota, and just take in the beauty of what God had created out in that part of the world. And one of the highlights for camp for some of the students, this was not all of them, a number of them chose to remain in bed, actually. Um, but one of the things that we offered to the students, having probably seen pictures from students that had done it in the past of doing a sunrise hike up to the top of one of the peaks there called Mount Baldy. So there's a picture of it there. That's what Mount Baldy looks like. And that was not too far away from our camp. And so what we would do is if kids were interested, we would tell them, you need to be awake at 3 o'clock a.m. and meet us at this bell with your flashlight and some water and some clothes that are good for hiking, and we will spend those early morning hours before the sun rises hiking on a dark path with creeks to go over via logs that had fallen, with, with stones to trip on and roots to trip on in the dark where you can't really see anything around you, and we're going to hike for hours until we reach this spot where we turn a corner and begin to see the sunrise and the beauty of it from Mount Baldy. And you can see this view. And so, I mean, that's the view from the top of it. It's really hard to see. And anytime you've seen a great view, you take a picture because you want to remember it. But it's never as good in the picture as it really is when you're there. You know what that's like, right? And so, so, so the students that were willing to that were willing to get up early in the morning when their beds were so comfortable and they had just had a whole day of camp and they were totally worn out, but to get up at 3 a.m. and walk that dark path, they also got the great privilege of turning the corner and seeing the beauty of the sunrise from Mount Baldy. That's what we're doing this morning. We have, for weeks now, been walking through the dark path of Romans 1.18 through 3.20, as Paul has been laying out for us the bad news, and the bad news is bad, it's full of, and it maybe worse than we initially thought it was, and it took two chapters really for him to, to lay it out. Bad news really summing it up being 
we are all going to face God's judgment, and we are all unrighteous. And God is righteous, and because of that, we are under His wrath. So you would maybe sum up 118 through 320. That presents a really big problem for all of us. And there were people maybe that thought, well, maybe if I just got a little more knowledge, maybe if I just knew more, I could figure out how to make myself right with God. But in chapter 1, he pointed out, listen, the problem is not that you don't know enough. The problem for many people is they know enough about God because of what he's revealed in his creation, but they've taken what they've known and they've suppressed it. And they worship and serve creatures rather than the creator, right? And then in chapter 2, there were some really good moral religious people that he was addressing, even into chapter 3. And they're kind of thinking, well, I'm really good, and I'm, I'm, I'm moral, I'm religious. And Paul's saying, listen, you're storing up wrath for yourselves as well because you are just like the others. You're a sinner. You fall short. That's what we're going to look at today. But today is the period in which we've kind of been longing for this, where we get to turn the corner and we get to finally hear the good news. And it is really good. And so go ahead and turn, if you have your Bible with you, to Romans chapter 3. Today we're looking at just verses 21 through 26. I'm ready to hear the good news, and hopefully you are as well. If you're able to, would you stand? Before I read the Word of God, I'm going to pray. And so you can go ahead and pray with me as we get ready to read uh, the really, really good news from Romans 3. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that the light of Christ would rise in our hearts today, that we can see the light of the glory of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for those that are here today that have never seen the beauty of the gospel. I pray that they may see the good news today and bow down in humble adoration and worship of Jesus, who is King. And for those of us that have seen the view before, we've hiked around the corner and we've seen the view from this mountaintop. I pray that you would soften our calloused hearts today, that we may again be in awe of the view of the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to see it with fresh eyes today, that we might be motivated to worship you. There's no better news than what I'm about to read, and I'm so thankful for it. Help us to hear it now by your Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's read Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. This is God's Word. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one 
who has faith in Jesus. You can be seated. I mentioned last week that, that what we were coming to this week is what we've been waiting to come to, and some have called it the most important paragraph ever written. And as I studied it this week and was very excited to be able to preach it, there was also this, this very humbling thing, recognizing that what this paragraph explains is what, if, if what this paragraph explains was not true, I would, I would still be this narcissi- narcissistic, just self-absorbed young man smiling my way to hell. That's who I would be if what this passage says wasn't true. This is what drives me to worship Jesus. This is what drove me to be a pastor. This is what drives me every day as I lead in my family and in the church. It's this. This is, this is at the heart of what the good news of Jesus is all about. And I feel very humbled to be able to preach it and felt like as I was studying it, man, maybe the best thing I could do is just like read this like 25 times and then sit down. But as I was studying it too, I was recognizing that there's some big words in here. Three really important words that are going to help us understand the good news, hopefully better than we've understood it before, when we get to the bottom of what does that really mean. And so I'm going to spend some time. You notice in your outline inside the bulletin, if you didn't find that yet, it's right there on the inside. There's a whole booklet, basically. Part of it's our life group guide, but there's a spot for you to take sermon notes. You notice the first point is just called this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus. My goal today is not to be very cute and creative, but just to simply stand with you on the mountaintop and point out some things that are beautiful that I just want you to see. That's what we're going to do today. Okay, you up for taking in the view with me? The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus. Now, Paul has spent a long time pointing out, here's how we don't get it. Here's how we don't get the righteousness of God. And he's kind of got one more he wants to say really quick. He's already made this point, but he's going to reiterate it here in verse 21. Here's how you don't get the righteousness of God. He says, the right, Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Okay, It's not that, th- that we who, who know the law and try to keep the law are all of a sudden made righteous by doing that. The law and the prophets, so he's not saying the Old Testament is worthy. He's saying the law and the prophets point us to the righteousness of God. We have the Old Testament. It makes it very clear that God is righteous and that we are unrighteous, right? And so now he's going to get to the good news, verse 22. Just look at the beginning of it. How do we get a right standing before God? It says this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Okay, that's the most he's said about it so far. Remember, we kind of got this like this glimpse. It's like somebody showed us a picture of the mountaintop in 1, 16 and 17, where he says righteousness comes by faith. Like, okay, so righteousness comes by faith. But faith in who and, and how does it come? Well, that's what he's going to lay out here now in chapter 3. The righteousness of God comes through faith. But it's not just this vague, general, yeah, I have faith and she has faith and our faith gets us through this kind of faith. 
It's a real faith in a real person, right? The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Okay, we're going to hear this actually more in this same passage. It's going to even get more specific later on. But the righteousness of God is something that we don't live up to. It's something that is given to us by faith. Specifically, faith in Jesus Christ. Now, second point is this. Second point is this. One major problem for everyone and one single solution for everyone. Okay? That's what it's going to lay out in these next couple verses. There's one major problem for everyone and one single solution for everyone. Alright? Look at the end of verse 22. It says, For there is no distinction. That's what Paul was trying to get across in these first couple chapters. Like, don't think that you're okay. That's a lot of our problem. We look at other people like, yeah, I see that they have a problem, but we're not willing to admit that we have a problem. Paul's been addressing that in these last couple chapters, and now he just makes it clear. There is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Maybe you memorized that when you were a kid, if you grew up in a church pretty common verse. There's no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the one major problem. Universal unrighteousness. Everybody. And sin means missing the mark. It was an archery term, right? So it's as though the target is the righteousness and glory of God, and all of us have shot a bunch of arrows, and none of them have hit the target. We're all unrighteous. We all sin, and we all miss the mark. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's what it says in verse 23. So the the biggest problem for Gentiles is sin. And the biggest problem for Jewish people is sin. The biggest problem for us is sin. Right? Get it? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Of God, And it's not like we can just go up and just like take the arrow out and, and try again and hopefully finally get it. Like we've missed the mark and the arrow's stuck. We're all unrighteous before God. That's where we're at. And then the really good news gets rolling in verse 24. Ready? Just like there's only one, there's no distinction between Gentiles and Jews in the problem. There's no distinction in the way in which Jews and Gentiles are made righteous. Look at verse 24. And are justified. This is is the first big important word that we need to look at a little more closely so that we're sure that we get it. Right? And are justified. What does it mean to be justified? So unrighteous people standing before God who is the judge, who is a righteous and just judge, and he sees our unrighteousness. That's a problem. Right? That's what Paul's been laying out for two chapters. And the problem is, the righteous God has his wrath aimed at unrighteousness. And we're unrighteous. That's a problem for us. So, a good judge has to do something about that. And it says what the judge does here is he justifies. And justified, I mentioned it really quickly last week, justified equals declared righteous. That's what it means. Okay? Justified means being declared righteous. And actually, it's the, 
It's hard in, in English. It, justified and righteous are like two totally different words. In Greek, it's the same word. One is a noun and one is a verb. They just have a different ending on it. So it would almost be like in our language, we could say justified is like righteousnessing. Okay, so like that we're not righteous and being justified means we're getting righteous. Right? Does that make sense? That's kind of, if you're reading it in the original language, that's what it would sound like to you. Okay? But it's being declared righteous. That's what God does. We're like, okay, but how? How does he do that? How does a righteous, perfect, holy God look at people that are very clearly guilty, like you and me, and he can declare us righteous? How can he do that? Well, it gives us a little bit here when it says, by his grace as a gift. That's how he does it. He doesn't do it if, if you, the unrighteous person, have done all the right religious things and have tried really hard to be really good. No, he declares you righteous by his grace as a gift. Now, our, our sinful human hearts and every other religion in the world would teach us that we ought to do something to earn the favor of God. Like, like what, what can I do? I don't like to take handouts. I'm not a handout taker kind of guy. I have to earn whatever's given to me. But here we're told our justification can only come by His grace as a gift. It's not something that we earn. Interesting. But then you might ask, so in a, in a court where we're standing before God the judge and the evidence clearly points at us as being guilty, how can he give us this gift by his grace of calling us righteous when we're not? Well, second big word. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Redemption's big important word number two out of three in this passage. Redemption is simply this. Redemption is a price paid for release. Okay? Often it was a price paid in order to release prisoners of war. Somebody had been captured during a war and they were a prisoner of war. In order to get that person back, a price would have to be paid. Or a slave under slavery, in order to buy them out of slavery, a redemption would have to be paid. Right? So redemption is a price paid. So it's not that... God could just, by His grace, as a gift, just declare unrighteous people unrighteous, declare unrighteous people to be righteous without a price being paid. Sin requires a penalty, a, a price to be paid. There are wages to be paid for our sin, right? And that's the good news of the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, He was paying a price. He was buying us who were enslaved to sin, who were prisoners of unrighteousness. He is buying our way out. He is paying for our release. Right? So Jesus is our Redeemer. The, you know, these good words, we, we sing about them all the time. But, but I think sometimes like, we don't even know what we're singing, right? Like, Jesus is my Redeemer. Do you, that, that's what it means. Think of all the words. That, like, I was just thinking through songs that we sing that talk about this. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. 
Right? We've sung that before. We've sung, Jesus paid it all. We've sung a song. Uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know if we've sung it here. Ere since by faith I saw the stream that thy flowing wounds supply, redeeming love has been my theme and will be till I die. Right? That's what we sing about, redeeming love, all the way until we die. We just sang, this the power of the cross, Son of God, slain for us. What a love, what a cost, we stand forgiven at the cross. Oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for through your suffering I am free. Jesus is our Redeemer. We've sung the song, two wonders here that I confess, my worth and my unworthiness. My value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. Lots of them. We sing lots of songs. Redemption is a big word. It's an important word to know, and it's something that should push us to at least, if nothing else, sing. And praise God that the price that we deserve to... Now, okay, I haven't done this for a while. I'm going to quote rap. Um, and if Dewey was here, he would offer to lay down a beat for me, and I would tell him no, uh, because I don't have that. But but I'm going to quote this because because this this these, these lines from this song stick in my head a lot talks about redemption so so we sing about redemption in old hymns we sing about redemption in new songs and we sing about redemption in rap as well and so one of the songs that uh that my family listens to often is 116 it's uh it's it actually comes from romans 116 right um and and that's actually our address our home address so that's kind of cool too 116 but here's here's a few of the words from that song that gets stuck in my head For the sinning I committed, I should have paid that price. But I didn't, because the Father went and gave that Christ. What love is this, to send His own, to die for sin and take us home? He's got me feeling good, but forget about my feelings. When did you hear a story about the hero dying for the villain? Right? When, When did you hear a story about that? About Jesus, the hero, the, the, the perfect Son of God coming to die for them. They don't make stories like that. They don't make this stuff up. Jesus is the one. For the sinning that I committed, I should have paid that price. But the Father went and He gave us Christ. Praise God that we have one who came to pay the price for us. That's what redemption is. Alright, let's move on to the last point. Because some people might ask the question, well, that still doesn't seem very just. There, how, how can God look at unrighteousness and call those that are unrighteous righteous, even if a price has been paid? How can He still be just? One more big word that we got to look at. Look at verse 25. It starts out this way. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Well, that's a word. I mean, maybe you use the word redemption. I mean, we even bring our cans in and get some money for them, right? So we use the word redemption every once in a while. Justified, we use that maybe. But propitiation, we don't use that word very much. So there's a couple translations that that do something else. The NIV, the NLT, they, 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 they put a different word there. But most translations stick with this word, propitiation, even though it's a really hard word to understand. Why do they do that? What does propitiation mean? Well, propitiation means the removal of wrath. The removal of wrath. 
And the reason this makes a whole lot of sense is because we've just walked through the dark path of 118 through 320 where it's been pretty clear that we're all alike under the wrath of God. That's our main problem, that our sin causes us to be under the wrath of God. And we have to be wondering, how do we get out from under the wrath of God? Because the wrath of God, a just God, can't just let sin go. He's got to do something about it. And the good news is that the Son of God absorbs the wrath of the Father on our behalf. That idea is uncomfortable for some people. In fact, a major denomination in the United States uh, was putting together a new hymnal. One of the churches in town, they were putting together a, a new hymnal. And the song that we're going to close with today is the song, In Christ Alone. And in that song, we sing the words, oh boy, now I've got to remember it. Uh, Till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Well, the, the leaders in this denomination said, we really like this song and we'd like to put it in our hymnal, but can we change that line? And thankfully, Keith and Kristen Getty, who wrote the song, said, no. If you're going to change that line, you cannot put our song in your hymnal. Which is great. because, And we like to do away with that idea of the wrath of God. We don't like to think about the wrath of God that's aimed at unrighteousness. But it's clearly laid out in Scripture. And so whether we want to think about it or not, it's good to think. And how, how glorious of a thing to think about when we remember that Jesus is the one that God put forward as a propitiation. As the one who would bear our wrath. What love is this that the Savior would, that, 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 that Jesus would come and be our Savior by absorbing the wrath of the Father as He took our sin on Himself, bearing the punishment for our sin. Propitiation is good news. It comes by the blood of Jesus. And then the verse 25, the last part of that sentence says, how do we get this? To be received by faith. He's already mentioned that once, right? Through faith in Jesus Christ, one time, to all who believe, two times, now, received by faith. And then he says this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Hold on a second. Propitiation. We sing about propitiation, too. Do you know that? I mean, that, that song that I just mentioned, that line that I mentioned, but we also sang about it in the power of the cross that we just sang. This, the power of the cross, Christ became sin for us, took the blame, bore the wrath. We stand forgiven at the cross. We've sung other weeks a song where it says, And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. It's good news, and we should sing about it. And he says, and this is how God's righteousness is revealed. Verse 25, that I just read that part, saying, in his divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. Just pointing out the fact that before Jesus, so it's like everything centered on Jesus dying on the cross, if that's the way that we're forgiven, a good question to ask is, so what about all the people that sinned prior to Jesus dying on the cross? He's saying, well, in God's righteous, divine forbearance, he passed over former sins so that all who trust in him, 
It's always by faith, that we always receive it by faith, that all who trust in God, they didn't know the specifics of who Jesus was, but those who trusted that God would provide for them forgiveness, those people are also forgiven. So God passed over their sins so that their sins also could be laid on Jesus on the cross, right? So whether we're looking ahead to Jesus or looking back to Jesus, those who receive it by faith are those who can rejoice that the wrath of God has fallen not on them but on the Son. Verse 26, last verse. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has, here's the fourth time, faith in Jesus. Right? God, I mentioned earlier, God has to do something about sin. So how can God be a justifier, one who says, you're righteous, and be just? Right? That, that's, that's a problem, and that's what 26 is pointing out. That all these big words that we just talked about, that's how. That's how God, God can't just look at sin, and if he's a good, just God, he can't look at sin and kind of say, well, it's not that big of a deal, or I'm just going to let that one go, or I'm not going to, like, that's, that, that's not a just God. A just God must deal with unrighteousness. That's what this passage is all about, that a just and righteous God must deal with unrighteousness, and we're unrighteous, and so that's a problem for us. But the solution for us is found in the person of Jesus Christ who is our redemption, who is the one who justifies us, who is our propitiation. And so we can rejoice in Him. Now, three ways that we can respond to this, okay? Some of you, having heard all of that, some will hear this not really as good news because you haven't yet been convinced of the bad news, right? And many people that we love, and we long for them to worship Jesus as Lord and Savior, to put their faith in Him and be saved. And they're not at this point. And we're concerned, and we're wondering, well, what's going on? Well, it partially could be that they haven't walked down that dark path. They're still laying in bed thinking that this is pretty comfortable, and I think I'm doing just fine right where I'm at. So they haven't gotten out of bed to walk down that dark path and windy path that points out our own sin because it's not a comfortable path to be walking on. And so some don't see their need for a Savior because they're not buying the message of chapter 118 through 320 that we're a sinner who's under the wrath of God. And if you don't buy that, then, then this doesn't sound like very good news. But that's why Paul took so long to get us from 118 through 320. That's why we took so many weeks on it, because we need to get that. Because if we don't get that, then, then we don't get to turn the corner and see the beautiful sunrise from the mountain of God's righteousness, right? We don't get to see that. But some, some are hearing this as good news for the first time. Some are hearing this, and, and maybe now that you've gone through this whole journey, you're kind of like, well, yeah, uh, maybe you had some ideas in your head about who Jesus is, but maybe now is the time where you're, you're, you're hearing this personally. You're like, hold on, so that's me. That's me who deserved the wrath of God. I offended a righteous and holy God. I'm a lawbreaker. That's me who deserved that. 
but you're telling me now that I can be declared righteous, that I can be redeemed and bought out of my sin because Jesus absorbed my penalty, the wrath of God for me? And you're telling me that the only thing I need to do is to trust in, in, in Jesus? That's it? Yeah. And so, so some of you may be wrestling with that. Maybe uh, I mentioned earlier that, that some people want to just go and, and talk with Ron and Linda about stuff going on in their life. And pray. Maybe you want to go back there rather than just like, I'm out. Church is over. I'm done. It took longer than normal today. I'm leaving. Maybe, may, maybe God's Spirit is doing a work in your heart, and you're, you're wrestling with this. You're wrestling with, so, so this is what I deserve, but you're saying I could get this instead. You're wondering if it's time to, to put your faith in Jesus, to turn the corner. Maybe today's the day. You can go back and talk to Ron and Linda after the service as well. And then finally, for those of us that have heard this many, many times before, I don't know what to tell us except for study this, memorize this, get this, sing about this, tell other people about this. This is the good news. This is your testimony. If you're a Christian, this is your testimony, right? I mean, you might have as part of your testimony, I went through a really tough time in life, but God got me through it. That's a great part of your testimony, but that's not the center of your testimony. If you're a Christian, the center of your testimony is, here's who I was, here's what Jesus did, and here's what that means for me. People need to hear this. This is the heart of the gospel. This is what makes us do what we do as a church. So excited to be turning the corner and getting into the good news now uh, as we look at the rest of the book of Romans. Just quick note, we are going to look at Romans 3, the rest of the chapter, next week. And then we're going to do one week looking at all of chapter 4. And then we're going to uh, do something different for Palm Sunday and for Easter. Then we're going to, I mentioned in my life group this week, we're jumping into Ecclesiastes after that, um, which is uh, very different. Uh, from the book of Romans. Romans is Paul laying it all very logically and very clearly. Ecclesiastes is kind of more like a guy's like, I don't know. <laughs> um, and uh, looking at life and like, is this it? Is this this life under the sun? Is this is this really all that there is? Um, and so, uh, going to be kind of a, a big change of pace. We'll get back to Romans again then in the fall. But uh, sometimes when it's heavy like this. It's good to have a break and do something different as well. So um, I want to sing. I want to sing about this. I want to sing about the work that Christ has done. I think that's a fitting thing for us to do. So while I pray, if the worship team wants to come up so they can lead us in a closing song. Heavenly Father, thank you for the good news. We have been longing for it. I thank you for it. I thank you that Jesus is the one who can justify. Jesus is our propitiation. Jesus is the one who can redeem us. God, would you do away with any of our thinking that, 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 that begins to think either one of two things, that, that, that we can earn your favor, we can earn acceptance from you by what we do, do away with that and do away with the, the thought that, that we're worthless and not worth anything. Do away with both of those and remind us of our worth that is fixed in who Jesus is and what he's done. That out of his great love for us, because you are rich in mercy, 
you can make us alive together with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions and sin. You are our only hope. You are the hope of the world, and so help us to be motivated to go into all the world to share the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand, and we'll sing a song uh, to close together.